And it's very much the man box, right? I needed to go do the uh, lawn mowing. I needed to go do the dishes. I needed to go clean the room, which is more doing. I needed to do the vacuuming. I needed to do something, right? And I think that the pressure of that was so grand growing up because that's just how we view men is doers. So you do and do and do and doing is very much an act of service. And once we're put into that box as a young, as a young child, or we're not given any opportunity to be, then our love language is just the acts of service. It's the only thing we know. Welcome back everyone to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, a space designed to help redefine what it means to be a man in the modern era. Our hope with this podcast is to support men on their journey towards becoming the best possible version of themselves by providing insight, support, perspective, but most importantly, a safe space to live authentically with a community of conscious kings. Every week we will take a deep dive into topics such as toxic masculinity, men's mental health, personal relationships, conscious leadership, and powerful guest appearances. Men, we see you, we hear you, and we are standing tall beside you every single day in the arena of misunderstood masculinity. Let's get into today's episode. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Mask Unity Podcast. I'm your co-host, CK. And I'm your boy, Anwar Ahmed, aka, you know, A Squared. And today we're excited because we're having a conversation that is not often talked about. We're talking about the love languages. And I think this is going to be super fascinating. I've always personally loved these. And I know that Anwar and I are pretty passionate about this space and relationships. So we're really excited to have this conversation with you. But before we do that, you know what time it is. Moochek, my guy, Coach Kyle. What's going on, man? We're shaking, we're shaking. It, uh, it feels good, even though we're doing it from a distance, that the Moochek vibe, like I still feel the energy. I think that it just carries so much weight, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, a part of the, it's a part of the process. This is also a new little, new little journey for us, like this... This virtual world, look at us adopting the new way of life. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for those that are listening and not necessarily watching, we are speaking across the country right now. My, I'm personally in Calgary again. I have decided to move back home for a bit, and Anwar is actually in Winnipeg, um, but he'll be in Toronto here soon. So we're across the country, uh, but we are continuing to serve. We are not going anywhere, so we're excited. But um, my mood check. Well, how's my mood? My mood, honestly, it is. I feel really good. I feel really, really good today. I, I woke up feeling good. I woke up excited to try this out. I think this is an incredible learning opportunity for us. And I love learning. And it is just, it feels like I'm slowly but surely settling into mm-hmm. my new environment. The transition, if I'm being honest with you, has been incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. Just navigating multiple different homes, multiple different spaces, uh, feeling like I have no privacy. Everything I feel like I used to have when I was in Toronto uh, was stripped away from me. And it has been, and even just down to the little minute things of here's your own room. Like even those things have been stripped away from me. I have experiences where I actually have to sleep in a living room um, on a few days of the week. And so it's just a whole different environment right now. And it's been tough. 
you know, my, uh, I feel good today, but the week has been a roller coaster. I'm mm-hmm. feeling like absolute garbage, feeling like a failure, um, then feeling good because you start to get work done again, but then feeling like you're not in the right direction. And how could I be back here again? And mm-hmm. just the entire space has been a constant learn, lesson learning and a constant navigation. So it feels good today to wake up and be like, okay, I feel fantastic about today. I feel really good about today. And I feel like things are slowly starting to slot in. So, um, that's in a long winded answer. That's my mood, baby. That's my mood. No, it's good, man. I like that. It's, it's always an adjustment period when you're going from pure independence to like even incorporating one or, and, and this goes well with the conversation that we're having, right? It's like when you've been on your own for so long and then you're trying to like have a relationship or, you know, gravitate to something else, you have to change in a lot of ways sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that adjustment period is difficult. And sometimes I think that sometimes relationships don't even get off the ground because of that, uh, because you're so kind of stuck in your ways. You're kind of so independent. You're so autonomous and then things change and things shift. Um, and you kind of struggle to kind of find your footing. Um, and then it's even more interesting when you throw in family dynamics and things like that, especially when like, you know, um, I think a lot of us are trying to either get better at whatever the family dynamic was. So when you leave and you go move on your own, you're trying to shift things. You're trying to like change the things that you didn't like about, you know, the family dynamic. And then, you know, you feel like you maybe take four or five steps in the right direction. And now you're back in that exact same environment like, you know, looking at all the, maybe the things that you were trying to get away from trying to, you know, you have to go back and hopefully you've done enough kind of work and reflection to understand that that's just the truth. And that's what it is. Um, and that we're not running from things, but it's, it's, it's a shocking feeling for sure. Um, mm-hmm. to go back into that environment. You know, I've been there a couple of times before, so uh, I could Absolutely. definitely, definitely empathize with that. Um, living on your own is definitely a double-edged sword. I think it like, it gets you to one of the reasons why I wanted to continue to live with a roommate was also that, um, was the idea of not being so I've been on my own for a long time. And it was just like, do I want to create more space where I'm alone, 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 where it's harder for me to incorporate different things into my life where I get so isolated that I'm like, so comfortable with being isolated. I Mm. like the idea of difference in the house and having to work with something, having to work with some sort of like, and a roommate adds that I feel like, and I was like, you know what? I like this idea of being in a roommate and then hopefully potentially if I get into like a relationship in the near future, it's not so foreign, you know, it's mm-hmm. not so I've already been doing the roommate thing. It's just about changing the roommate, you know, um, but definitely the pros and cons um, to, you know, being on your own, you get to figure yourself out, which is a great thing. And uh, but sometimes I think people figure out things too permanently. They write things in ink and not and not pencil. And that can be challenging. 100%. Yeah. And, and, and just uh, a, th- a statement that I shared the other day that really, I feel like speaks to my experience is that um, I, I think I shared, what if we treated every challenge like a level in Super Mario? Mm-hmm. A lot of frustration or a little, you're not sure, right? Some, some anger, a lot of lives lost, but a consistent desire and pursuit and resilience to keep playing the game. Right? We know playing Mario, it's like, how many times can I just keep trying, keep trying to pass the level, to get through it? And each time I'm learning and each time I know that this specific turtle goes that way and this fire breathing, whatever goes that way. And I'm learning every time. And if I, if I die and I, I have to go back to the beginning of this level, at least I know I'm coming back to this whole level again, running from experience. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how I feel like I'm navigating this right now as best I can is knowing I'm not going backwards because I'm coming in from so much more different experience and so much more knowledge and wisdom. So uh, I really, really, really feel like as long as I can root myself in that thought of like, I'm just playing Super Mario, man. 
mm-hmm. I'm just playing Super Mario. It just adds a little bit of like fun to the conversation too. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's how I, that's how I feel about it. But uh, how are you? How's your mood check, Poppy? My mood is my mood is good, man. My mood is good. I think that you know being adaptable, like you said too. Like I'm in a new environment, right? I came back to I came back to Winnipeg to um, you know see family and see friends and get reconnected. Um, and so, but I'm still doing my full time job. So I had to like you know carry all of my work, bring it here, find a way to incorporate that social life while like you know doing the hours that I was doing before. And you know, there's a lot more social pressure because these are like my best friends these are like people that I grew up with it's not uh you're not kind of you know you need to make the time almost you need to and it's forced me to have to be like okay cool how am I condensing my work day how am I being like um so it's been a good challenge but like you said it's been a challenge to incorporate those things um but I've been really enjoying like you know I always feel rejuvenated uh, when I come back to Winnipeg because there's just um there's, there's just a pride in, you know, the relationships that I've built in this city and the people that I've been able to connect with. And um, there's, I always say there's less explaining to do when I'm here. Like, you know, I, I'm enough here, you know, it's like that. I've never, I've never felt like I've had to come here and reprove myself or mm. to have to change to fit something, you know, and naturally the struggles of being in a city like Toronto, that just comes with the territory, you know, and I always say to people coming, moving to Toronto, I'm like, Hey, there is a bit of a grind. There is a bit of a battle. There is a bit of a, a social construct that you're trying to figure out and navigate. And um, if you like playing that game, go for it. It's a cool game to play. It's a cool game to, you're talking about leveling up in Mario. It's like, it's being in a different level. You know, you're playing just a different game. Um, you can keep beating the same level that you've already beat, which is what, what coming to Winnipeg feels like to me. I come here and I'm like, I know these levels, like, you know, and I don't feel like I have to, you know, I, I can just be myself and it's great. It's great to get connected to that individual. Um, but ultimately when I go to a level that is way beyond me, it's like, I, it's a challenge. Every day is a fight. Every day is a battle. Um, and just finding that duality. So I always feel rejuvenated when I come here. I always feel balanced. I always find that harmony that we always talk about. Um, I get realigned with things that matter. Um, it's cool. Cause you know, some of my close friends now have kids and, you know, coming back and seeing the kids add way more perspective. You're like, well, you weren't talking before now you're walking and you're talking. Okay. Yeah. So much time has gone by, you know, and like you want to be um, close to that. And you're just like, you feel like you're like, wow, time is so sensitive. Like this kid was like literally on his back last time I saw. And now he jumps off couches. So, um, you know, how are we able to kind of make sure you're not losing in touch? Um, Jordan, um, Jordan Peterson said in one of the videos that we put on our, our thing, he, 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 he was crying. It was a very emotional video. But something that stuck out to me was when he said, like, I've always had a very cute understanding of time like, and how much time was going past. And I was like, what a skill to understand. Cause as I like get older, I'm like, dude, five years doesn't intimidate me anymore. What is a five-year goal now? Like I could write down a five-year goal right now. And it feels like months. It feels like I'm writing a month goal where before when I was younger, someone would say, write a five-year goal. And I was like, what? Five years felt like so long, you know? Um, but just because I understand that I can write a five-year goal and I feel like it's closer to me, do I understand how to act then on a day-to-day basis if I know that that's like that five years is going to go by like just like that? Am mm-hmm. I acting as if I understand, you know, it's cool to write a goal down and be like, yeah, I, I'm going, I'm from 30 now. I'm going to be 35 and be able, be able to see that clearly, but can I be present for five years as well? You know what I mean? Because um, there's nothing worse than going through five years and not feeling like you were really present the whole time. Like, and then you got from one point to another point. So um, I think kids have been doing a great job of making me understand that timeline a bit better because I'm like, whoa, 
you were two last time and now you're four. And I don't, that felt like a month to me. So um, yeah, that's my, that's my long winded kind of, you know, my mood and overall how things are going, but yeah, I'm in, I'm in a good place. I'm excited to get back to Toronto too. And things are, cities are opening up. Calgary decided, you know, they're just going to say, say levy. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going to open the border. So as long as that kind of trajectory keeps happening, I hope we don't go through no more lockdowns. We just keep moving forward. Um, You know, I've gotten my double vaccination. So I think things in the global sense in terms of like the pandemic are lifting. So, and it's good timing. It's summer. What a great time for things to lift. You know, what a great time for people to find um, that like satisfaction for life again. Um, Mm -hmm. Sun's blazing, sun's out forever. Um, and restrictions are loosening up. So hopefully it's a, it's a perfect, um, perfect storm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just before we move into the conversation, there's something that we both said that I want to reel in because I think that it's really easy for us to get into that space as we both said, and here's my long winded answer. And I think that, uh, it, it just came through both of us subconsciously. Um, and I think it's, a testament to the idea that we don't often feel like it's okay for us to share. And sometimes we don't, even if it's a safe space, sometimes we still feel like we're burdening and we shouldn't, we should be fine because we're men and, you know, we shouldn't be complaining because we're men, we should have it figured out. And I think that uh, neither of us really feel that way right now, but I think it's just that deep rooted belief that we're not really designed to share societally speaking, we're not here to share. And so I think that sometimes when we do get into this comfortable space, we share and share and share, which is exactly what we want. But then we start to feel like, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. I think I might've given too much, or I might've said too much. Uh, And that's definitely not the case. So I think um, just reframing that language and potentially not even like starting to say it, just here is my mood. And if it goes into a 10 minute conversation, that's beautiful because it's like, whoa, you had so much on your chest you know, and I think it's such a beautiful release. So I just wanted to touch on that before we go into the conversation. My friends, let's talk about mental health and the sponsor of this podcast. This episode is sponsored by Tether, a peer-enabled mental health and well-being platform for men. Tether helps men find meaning and purpose through community, accountability pods, and a 24-7 support network. Tether invites us all to be a part of changing the face of masculinity and letting every man know that struggling and vulnerability doesn't make you any less of a man. It simply makes you human. And for me, I've had a lot of personal experience with this app. I've used it many times. I've shared a lot of vulnerable moments. I've shared some strength moments, some exciting moments. The app is open for everyone to simply just share. And like I said in the introduction, a peer-enabled space where we're supporting each other without any pressure to fix, just simply to honor each other's journey. They also just added in a conscious content section where they're sharing podcasts, they're sharing blog posts. It is a really powerful space. So we really want to implore you and encourage you to download it from the app and Google store. It is Tether, T-E-T-H-R, available on both app stores. Join the community. I promise you will not regret it. All right. So here we are, five love languages, five love languages. I think it's fair to say that everyone's heard of these, right? Like this book has been on the top charts for what, like since it came out, I don't think it's left the top charts, which is crazy. It's not a new book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know when I first heard about it, I was like, nah, that's hogwash. I don't know what this is. And I, I remember thinking that I'm like, I don't need to read that love. Like I, I got this relationship thing down. Why are you giving me this love language thing? I remember just being so resistant to it <laughs> when I was a kid, but I always knew it exists because um, it's an older book. 
Um, but I think that as we start to mature and age and we start to really want to develop healthy relationships and we really want to start to understand how to be conscious in our relationships and, and be able to see each other more clearly and not argue all the time. Um, we start to understand that, oh, okay, maybe this is important. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should read this and see what it means and actually give myself some context. So um, the first question I think we want to address is why are we even having this conversation? What's the, what's the point, right? Anwar, you said something beautiful earlier today. You said, this is not locker room talk, right? So why, why are we even having this conversation? What's the point? Yeah, I, exactly that. I just don't think um, it's conversations that, you know, especially among men that we're, we're having in a, in a way that's more open-ended, you know what I mean? In a way that's not trying to fix a problem, which is where we're, when we're usually are even trying to have this conversation, it's, you know, the relationship is going in flames. It's like, things are going south. Like I'm, I'm trying to like, I'm, I'm doing whatever I can to find answers to fix the problem. Um, and then someone is like, Oh, have you heard of the five love languages? You know what I mean? It's very like, it's brought up in a way to kind of solve or fix something. Um, and great. If it comes up at that time, awesome. At least we'll, we'll help you serve in that moment. And maybe, you know, um, fix the, the problems that you might be having in your relationship. But it's not definitely not a proactive conversation that we're having. It's definitely not something that I'm not even in a relationship. And I'm like, I want to be aware of these so that when I get in one, you know, very proactive approach of like, you know, I'm trying to understand who I am and what my like love language is. And so when I do, you know, find a partner, um, I'm more aware, I understand, you know, how I want to be loved and how I, I share love. Um, and so that's, I think the biggest issue is not even an issue. I think that word is in misplaces. I think that's the, the biggest benefit of having this conversation here on this platform is showing that like, Hey, we can have this conversation way beforehand. You know what I mean? Same way with like, I feel like this conversation and horoscopes are like the exact same to me. Like everyone knows about them. Some people just like, like actively try to learn about it because they think that I just think that this has way more value. Knowing about your horoscope to me is like, it, you could know things about it. It could tell you things that are enlightenment. It could tell you there is something about it that is like, you know, weirdly enough, I'm like, wow, I don't know how these people know that much about me, but that's accurate. Um, but this is, I feel like just like a very, very beneficial version of that, where it's like, you know, it exists and like, you should probably actually read it or you should probably try to understand it, you know, mm. um, maybe not understanding a cancer is like in your best interest. Um, but learning about the five love languages is probably like worth turning a couple pages over. Um, and I think that we both just like, I've also never been in a room with a bunch of men where we're like, what's your horoscope, man? You know what I mean? Like, it's also not happening. Usually there's mm -hmm. a lot of female energy around. There's usually a, maybe even more, a lot more spiritual energy around. Um, and, uh, and then horoscopes come up and you figure out a couple cool things about yourself and then you, you go on your way and it maybe makes you feel a little bit more aligned. I think this should be way more front of mind and way more men should talk about this kind of stuff because uh, if you want that relationship, if you want kind of happiness and love, I think it's a pivotal conversation to have. Um, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that too, one, one of the things that you addressed it beautifully is that you're not in a relationship and so you're, but you're investing in this space anyway. And I think that a lot of times when we get into relationships, we wait for the problem to arise before we feel like the need to address the problem. We've talked about this so many times, we wait for the fire to be so big. And then we're like, well, maybe I should start watering and putting that fire out mm -hmm. where the when we're having this conversation if you're in a relationship, that's beautiful as well. And if you're not, that's, that's also beautiful because these, they speak to your needs. Mm -hmm. Like as a human being, they're not just simply a, oh, well, this is a feminist journey and they're just learning about love because love is for women. This is a human thing. And all of these five top 
uh, love languages are very much a human need. That's what we're speaking about. So as we go through this conversation, we're literally talking about how I want you to love me is literally the conversation. If we, and if we don't decipher that, then I don't, I don't know how we expect a relation, you know? And I think that was one of my biggest learnings um, going through this beforehand is just like, whoa, um, I never knew how I wanted to be loved. I never knew how I wanted to be appreciated. Um, and I always thought as a man that that wasn't a focus or shouldn't have been a focus. You don't need to worry about how I love you, uh, how you love me, because the focus should be, how do I love you? How do I serve you? That's how I've always felt. So I've given myself away a lot mm -hmm. of the time because of that. Cause I'm like, I don't know my own needs. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I prefer. So I'm just going to focus on making sure I give you everything. Mm -hmm. um, the funny part about it is that uh, as we talk about this conversation today, um, I'm only loving you based on actually what I need. <laughs> Right. Like if, if my top love language is uh, any of the five we'll talk about today, I'm giving you that type of love because I actually don't know what you want either. Mm -hmm. And so it's just this interesting idea of we, we, we always love through our own love language because we don't know what the other partners is. Um, so I think it's a really fascinating part. So for me, um, having this conversation and, and going through this space. Um, I think you spoke beautifully about it where it says, you know, how many conversations do you walk into with a group of guys and say, Hey man, like, what's your love language? Like, I know that sounds absurd to a lot of men. I totally understand that. And I've been there. I, I absolutely get it. And I think that you don't have to go into your locker room and be like, Hey, what's up, man? Like, yo, what's your love language? Like, you don't have to do that. That's fine. Right. That's not what we're saying, but what we are saying is it's, it's okay to have these conversations because love languages don't just apply to intimate relationships, mm -hmm. right? Like it's also about how I want to give and receive love to you because you're my brother and, and I love you, right? So how do we relation? And these also apply to that same space. And so I think that's just where, what are my needs? Um, is such an important conversation. No, definitely. And, 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 and something that you said there too, that I, um, I really like is just the idea um, of understanding that these love languages aren't like, love is not a, it's not an only an intimate thing. Love is just like how you exist in the world and what you share, right? Like um, a lot of these like words of affirmation, why is that, why is that limited to <laughs> the person that you're like, you know what I mean? Like words of affirmation is going to a restaurant, having a great experience and like, like, like vocalizing that experience to the restaurant. And then now the restaurant feels like, oh, wow, we were seen um, our customers love us. Like, you know what I mean? Like customers always write all these things that exist. It's like, they're all just versions of just love that we're expressing. And so, um, mm. I think that, you know, a metaphoric way of looking at these love languages and learning about it is there's two ways to go into a test. There's a, you can be prepared for the test and have studied, or you can go into the test and figure out, you can figure it out on the fly. Figuring out on the fly is going to a relationship with no pre-knowledge of a love language or whatever. It's like, you're just now going to figure it out. Like, you know what I mean? And that Hoping works for the best. If it's multiple choice, you got one of four chances to like circle the right answer. Like we're not saying you're going to, you're going to say you're not going to, you're not, you're going to fail for sure. But if you're studied, you know, two of one of two things can happen. One, you might select a partner more efficiently because you'll be able to understand how you give and how you receive on the onset or you just go into all, you just go into these tests a lot more prepared. You just go into these tests a lot more prepared. You give yourself a better chance. And ultimately on this platform, on this podcast, all we want to do is help men fail less, right? Like all we want to do is help men fail less. Like, and if we can give you tools and perspectives and whatever, and not fail in the sense of, I think you need to fail forward and all of those things. I just mean, um, you know, 
not every lesson has to be learned the hardest way possible. It doesn't all need to be a blind side. You know, if we can add some perspective and some value, I'm not saying just because you know the five languages, you're going to love is going to be easy for you. So it's, it's still work. It's still a lot of work. Um, but you might, might feel a little bit more prepared for the exam. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and two things that came up for me, one, there's a difference you're describing, which is essentially reacting versus responding, right? Reacting is very much uh, how I view it as, um, not to come across attacking in any way, but it's, it's a very wounded masculine space when you're just constantly reacting to everything around you. And there's a quote that's by Viktor Frankl that says, there is a space in between stimulus and response. And in that space lies your ability to choose how you want to respond. And in that space lies your freedom and your peace. And um, for those that don't know, Viktor Frankl uh, is a survivor of concentration camps. He wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning, one of the most powerful books I've ever read. But in that, I think it just speaks so much to what you just said, is that you walk into a test and you're just reacting, right? Versus responding has some predisposed knowledge. It has some sort of understanding and, and uh, the ability to separate the stimulus and pull yourself out of it and say, I want to choose how I respond. Cause again, that's where the freedom lies. So I think that's so beautiful. And I think that's what we hope too, is just to help more responding happen rather than a reacting because reacting is very emotion driven and very short and uh, can, can come across pretty abrasive. Um, the other thing that you were speaking on, um, which may have just left my mind was, Hmm. I got lost in the Victor Frankl. Victor Frankl is an incredible human failure. Being, so. I was talking about uh, failing. Yeah, no, it's okay. It left me. So that's fine. Um, but anyways, yeah, we're, we're just trying to support men as much as we can in any space and any capacity. And I think this is a beautiful conversation. So uh, let's, let's get into it. So what we're going to do just to give some context is we're going to go through the five love languages. We're going to describe them a bit. We're going to talk about what they mean and then also what they mean to us. We're going to express uh, some things about why we think this is important, why we feel like these are great things to focus on and what are our top ones? What are our experiences with it? Because I think what we've learned is that on some level, we're all, all five. Uh, we all have a desire for all five, but which one do you crave the most? And I think that's a beautiful conversation to have. So we're going to do that. And then we will leave with our golden nuggets and lead into next week's conversation. So let's get into it. The five love languages. So the first one that we'll talk about is words of affirmation, because I think you've already started talking about it. So words of affirmation, words of affirmation. When you first read that, what did that mean to you? What came up? You're like words of affirmation. What would that mean to me? You know, when I first heard this, I thought I took it in very much just like compliments. Like that's kind of mm. like, you know, the first, when I first ever heard this, I'm talking about just, you know, compliments, being able to compliment somebody, being able to, you know, have a feeling and then express that feeling, you know, that that person created an emotion out of you. They evoked a positive emotion out of you and then you, you vocalize it, you know? Um, but then you realize that like words of affirmation, it goes down to as simple as saying thank you, like for something right? Like people who are, are attached to words of affirmation, they're attached to like anything that you say that shows a favorable response to what happened. You know, um, I did something, thank you. And, and the absence of that, like there's a lot of people who like speak non-verbally and this would be a challenge for them, right? Like there's a lot of people who say thank you without saying thank you. 
actually coming out of their mouth, right? Mm -hmm. And so if words of affirmation is your kind of, you know, your primary love language, you would struggle with it, with a partnership or a dynamic where um, that person tries to show you love in a very silent way, but like they're still being, they're still saying thank you, but it comes off in a different way, you know? Um, And you are just, I need to hear the word thank you. I need to hear, I love you. I need to hear, you look beautiful today. Um, And when you miss those moments, you're, you're kind of, you kind of missed the mark on this. So I, I've evolved from understanding that it's bigger than just compliments. It's just, uh, it's the be, ability to understand something that's going on, an emotion that was created by this partner, by this human being, um, and actually putting words to it and having it come out, you know, not just holding it and wearing it. Um, and so that's kind of how it's evolved for me and my understanding of it. Um, what about for yourself? Yeah, I think it's, it's such a, an interesting one, I think, for men. And uh, the reason that I say this is I think words of affirmation as a man, how often do we speak our love? You know, I think that men often don't speak their love. They show it by, and I'm going to contrast it with one of the other love languages, which is acts of service. Mm -hmm. I think that a generic way for a man, a generic or maybe a general way for a man to show he loves his partner is to do things, just to do right? Do, 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 do um, uh, the, the job and the career, do the providing, um, do the, the gift giving, do the buying, do, do everything that just doing, right? And I've fallen into that trap. I know I have where I haven't leaned towards words of affirmation. I have leaned more towards on my way home, I'm going to buy them something. And here, here's this like chocolate bar or something, something simple, right? And that's how I would show my, my love. It was like, hey, like I was thinking about you, but I wouldn't say, hey, I was thinking about you today, right? Mm-hmm. And so for a partner who wants words of affirmation, they really probably don't want chocolate bar. They mm-hmm. would rather you come home and be like, hey, I was thinking about you today. How was your day? They'd be like, whoa, okay, I feel loved, right? And I, I never, not never, but I struggle to understand that sometimes of like, what if I just use my voice? How powerful would that be? But instead I got caught up in this idea of a man having to like physically show it, like have this tangible thing of like, here it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that words of affirmation was a tough one for me. Even being someone who I believe to be highly communicative and very well-spoken, it was something I had to learn and something I still process mm-hmm. is what does this mean? And um, as you know, you get into context, like you said, it's multiple things. So it's praise, it's appreciation. It can be something like an, a love note, right? Or like a little text message here or there that says, hey, what's up? I love you. Or I'm thinking about you. Um, or it could be like, hey, I saw that you did this today. Like, this is amazing. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, something like that. It, there's so many different ways to do it. And I think, um, you know, a great example, I think, is uh, the, um, and I don't want to come across uh, ignorant in any way, but the, you know, in the, in the movies where the woman says, hey, do I look good in this? Right. Mm-hmm. Or does this like, does, how do you, do you like what I'm wearing? And men are like, oh yeah, yeah, you look good. You look, you always look good. And I think what we display sometimes is that that's not words of affirmation, no. you know, like there's, there's a level to it where it's not just, yeah, you look good because what the words of affirmation is looking for is genuinity, authenticity. Like they're looking for more and for, for even for receiving it, like, you know, you feel the energy given when words are spoken. Mm-hmm. And so when, the, when let's say uh, your partner in a hetero way, a heterosexual, um, the woman is saying, Hey, how do I look? And you brush it off. Like what I think we don't understand is they're looking for the words of affirmation mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. That is just their love language. But sometimes we look at it like, why do you always need me to say something? And mm-hmm. it's like, 
I get it. I get it. I understand that sometimes, but that's literally us speaking from how we want to receive love, not how they want to receive love. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying all women are like that, but I think it's just really interesting. Like some of the tangible examples that movies have displayed for us. I'm like, I wonder if I had given some different level of spoken word there, how, what would be a difference? You know, mm-hmm. I also want to like add some context to that conversation. Kyle and I are both people who we're not shy of words, right? We have a podcast, we talk, all we do is talk. I want men to understand that we also struggle with words of affirmation. Being a talker doesn't make you like, I think there's a lot of people who think that I'm not a talker. Like, that's why I struggle with this. I'm a talker still struggle with this because it's, it's intentional. It's, it's, it's placing words on certain feelings, right? Like, and Mm -hmm. that's, it, that's the hard part, right? Like, I think that I excel at, op, like, I excel at words of affirmation, observation style. Like, I'm very good at observing something. Like, when I do observe something, my ability to, like, bring so much detail and intention to what I have observed is very, very high, right? So, but there's often a time where someone might assume that I would be like, oh, yeah, Anwar, for sure, will have a great, he's great words. He's great with words, words of affirmation, words of affirmation. And then you get into a situation, I'm like, I'm failing. I'm literally failing at this words of affirmation thing because I fall into the trap of like, hey, do I look good? Yeah, you look good. You always look good. You know what I mean? And, and it's because um, I think for me, now I'm not, I'm getting out of the context of the world. I'm getting into me. I think sometimes for me, it's um, you feel like you're holding out words for more powerful moments. And so putting it in a very short, like very, like, you know, you, you wear clothes all the time, you know, or a quick thank you that like the, the words that are repetitive, you get so tired because you're exhausting yourself on a three hour podcast and you're, you're speaking in tongues in so many things. So the effort level and the energy level at like the simple stuff starts to like diminish. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where all the real intention is, right? Like that's where all the, um, I, you know, we talk all the time about like, you know, giving your leftover energy to the home or to your loved one or to your companion, right? Like, so you're a great talker, you can go here, you can speak here, then you show up to your arena and you don't, you can't communicate anymore because you're either exhausted or you don't, you don't see the intention, you don't see the feeling. So this isn't like an introverted, extroverted version of this like topic either. It's, it's, you could be an extrovert and struggle with this. You can be an introvert and struggle with this. I think that the takeaway and, you know, to become really good at this is, um, being able to associate words to how you're feeling and how someone is making you feel and being intentional about that. Um, you know, and thank you can sound, you can, thank you can sound dismissive or it can sound intentional and you need to mm-hmm. know the difference, you know? Um, Absolutely. Just, it's not just about ticking boxes. I said, thank you. You know, people can people with words of affirmation have a high sense of understanding of like what your words meant at that moment. hundred percent. Yeah. And a big part of that is just the intentionality. Uh, I just want to drive that home even more is just knowing that uh, just brushing it off with some few words, very unintentional is probably not going to really do it justice, unfortunately. And, you know, uh, I think another component of words of affirmation is the frequency, right? Like just because someone appreciates words of affirmation doesn't mean that they want you to affirm them all day long and just constantly be praising them because that's not how it works. And there's not a lot of, um, of truth there because you're just doing it because you think that's what they want, but you're not doing it intentionally anymore. You're just doing it because you feel you have to. And I totally understand that. And that's something I had to work through too, is like, what does words of affirmation mean? And am I doing it enough? And am I saying it enough? And, you know, and I think that just really comes down to uh, how strong is your level of communication with your partner? And are you willing to have those conversations where you're like, Hey, listen, I know this, we, this was what we talked about, but I just kind of feel like you're, 
you're displacing it a bit. You're, so you're saying it all the time and I don't really feel like it's genuine anymore. And so how do we come to like a safe space with each other? It's a challenge for sure. And I think that, you know, when we speak about all of five of these, um, I hope we don't make it seem like it's easy to do this because it is, uh, or sorry, it isn't. It's a bit of a challenge, especially when you don't know what these are. Uh, and if you're listening to them for the first time, you're like, I have no idea how to do that properly. And that's definitely how I felt. Mm -hmm. um, I also, I'm going to reframe my language. Do it properly is probably not the, the, the most um, appropriate language. I think doing it properly makes it seem like there's a, a black and a white version of this yeah. when each and every partnership is different and everyone wants different words of affirmation. Some people don't want praise. They just want appreciation. They want thank yous. They don't want to be praised. Um, some people want love notes and um, uh, lovey-dovey stuff. And that's what, that's their words of affirmation. It changes, right? It evolves with each relationship. So it's, it's intricate for sure. It's intricate. Um, all right, moving on to the next love language. And I think we might as well talk about it because I think it counters is acts of service. So acts of service. And I know, like I said, for me, this one, it's so interesting because you're supposed to usually, not supposed to, but they say that you love other people the way you want to be loved. And so I would always lead with this one. I would always lead with an act of service, like doing things around the house or cleaning or um, like something a little extra to be like, hey, like I did this, like, you know, here, here it is, or hey, I bought you this, or hey, I provided this. And I think sometimes it just gets, it gets quite lost because um, I actually have found that acts of service isn't a popular one. I think, which is really fascinating. I've talked to a lot of people and acts of service doesn't seem to be an often a top one. And I think what I've learned personally about this specific one is that because it's, it's a very external driver, right? Like it's something very outside of ourselves. And uh, I think that it can sometimes be misconstrued. And um, like a lot of people are like, oh, actually, I like something that feels more inner. I like something that feels more inside, but I always gave this one. I always gave acts of service. Um, what did you do with this? Like when you said acts of service, what came up for you? Home. Home. Home base, baby. <laughs> this is home base. Talking about our primary, talking about the strongest one. Like, I think like, you know, how you were saying, usually it's the one that you give and you receive. They're kind of correlated. I think it's a way to describe, it's a way to figure it out. If you don't know which one you are, one of the ways they say to figure it out is how do you, how do you express love? Right. right. And that, that might tell you, you know, how you want to receive love. If you have no idea, that's, that could be a telltale sign. Examining your childhood apparently could be a telltale sign to figure out what love language, the ones that were absent or the ones that were present. That's a way of figuring it out. Um, and then how have you been hurt in the past is another way they've said that you can figure it out too, is figure out what you, how you've been hurt. And sometimes, you know, you, you want the opposite of how you've been hurt or whatever the case may be. So all three of those ways are ways to figure it out. For me, this is like, like how I show and how I receive. It's just, it's just, it's all one thing. It's acts of service. And um, it, it makes me think though, because I know that these love languages, like we always like, how much of it is like conditioned into us? You know what I mean? Like, how much of it was if I was just shown so much more of a different love language when I was younger, would I be now one or the other? You know, maybe mm. I, would it change? Like, you know what I mean? I, I wonder if acts of service is, uh, is my love language because it's where I've been groomed and it's where I've, I've always kind of had that feeling. Um, and so I've gravitated to it at a young age and I figured it out. And it's weird because I think about this about a lot of stuff. Like if you feel identified with something at a young age, you're, I feel like you're more likely to like become that thing. Like mm -hmm. you've identified it. Like you're like, I am this, you know? 
Um, and me and my cousin talk about this often. It's like injecting that feeling into, you know, a, a kid that you're raising that you are smart. You are smart. And if they gravitate to that, like ideology at a young age, then they just go into everything saying, I'm smart. I'm smart. I'm, I'm smart. I do this. This is what I do. And then challenges come and they go, well, I'm smart. So I, versus the opposite of that, right? If someone thinks that they're dumb and they, they gravitate to that, or they gravitate to that feeling and emotion at a young age, then every challenge they enter in with one foot in one foot out, like I'm already intimidated. Um, right. And that little nuance of confidence or whatever. So I'm, I'm curious, like I'm curious about a lot of things in life of like, how much does like, you know, what you're being told or what idea you gravitate to holds true and just in my household it was just always like that like the access service was kind of just um i grew up in a you know an immigrant household and like love and affection wasn't shown in a way that was maybe like what i would see in the outside world like i've never seen my parents kiss i've never seen my parents like it was very much how they showed each other's love was they had each other's back like you could just see like it was like it was like watching plays in a sporting event. Like it was just like one person would move there. The other person would move there. And you could tell that there was some sort of energy exchange that was like, these two understand each other and they understand us. Like, you know what I mean? We wake up and things were done, things were moving. Um, and it was this constant, like, you know, and, and it didn't even sometimes need a full thank you. Like it, it could just be like, you know, things happen and you would go to your mom, you just hug her. And that was like the, like, Hey, thank you for that thing. And then you kept it going and the wheel just always kept happening. And then mm. at some point you want to contribute to that energy, right? Like, and that's where I found for me, it was just like, Oh, what? Like my dad is working. He's doing this. And I'm like, dad, can I come to work with you tonight? Like, I want, like, let me help. Let me help. Like, I know that you're like, cause he used to, we used to clean chapters at nighttime. So my dad had a full-time job during the day. And then on the weekends, we'd go and clean these chapter stores, but he would go on his own. He would go at nighttime and all this stuff. So then I would just be like, Hey dad, let me come. Like, let me help. Let me help. Like, he's like, okay, cool. You can come Fridays and you can't come Saturdays. And you can't come Sundays, but you can come the one day. I'm like, okay, cool. I go, we'd, I'd be up to like three, like two in the morning, like cleaning these chapters late at night. But I would just always remember just like it was a way of like getting involved and being able to contribute to something. You know what I mean? It was a way that I was like, I can feel valued and I can feel like I'm showing up by helping things go down. You know, let me grab the groceries. Like, let me do this, mom. Let me do this. It was just like, you know, I just wanted to champion that. Like, I'm a person. Let me help. Let me show my love to you guys. Like, let me just be a part of what's going on. And I think that that just ultimately ended up being you know, and then I would get into friendships and I'm like, oh, you need a ride somewhere? Got you. Like you need, it got you. Then it just, it just became this thing of just like, I felt really good showing up for people because it made them feel without any kind of understand, without any kind of like, you know, fluff or whatever, you just knew I had your back and I was going to continue to have your back. And that's just how I showed love. And it just kept going, kept going, kept going. And now it's just deeply rooted, you know? So I've always just felt really, really aligned with acts of service. Um, because it also it also allowed me to show my level of detail right like like that's another part of my personality like i'm very detail oriented and mm. active service allows me to be both those people giving and detail oriented like if i if i came home and i knew i could do your laundry for you but imagine i also knew how you liked your socks folded and how mm -hmm. you and how you liked your shirt folded and how like i've watched your process so many times that when i even step into your space you can't even tell if you did it or if I did it like that's the level. Cause that was, my mom was very meticulous. Like you should like, do the dishes. And if you did it the way that she didn't like, then you failed. Like it wasn't really like what acts of service did you do there? Right. Like it's like, you did the dishes, but you just didn't do this part. You didn't do this part. And so I'm going to have to go redo it. And I was like, ah, I don't like that burden. I don't like that redo it burden. So I would very, very, very like detailedly watch how I could help and then go do it. Um, and it, 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 it scratches that itch for me of like, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, I'm not only am I going to do the thing, I'm going to do it how you want it done um, mm. to show you that like I'm paying attention. And I feel like it's received that way too. Like, oh, not only was this job done, this dude knows what's up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, now, so much what you speak on just now is like the masculine way, you know? And I think I like what you're saying. I, I There is so much truth and validity scientifically and psychologically to everything that impacts us as children, right? So there are studies on studies on studies saying from the time for you're born until the time you're seven, everything that happened in that time frame is literally how you act for the rest of your life until you become aware and conscious of it and decide you want to make different choices. And in that age range, we're either given what we need or we're not. Um, and however we were given it is how we're probably going to either ask for it or give it later. And so speaking on this exact space, I think that the, the man box is given to us at a very young age, right? And so as soon as that man box, this character characterized box of who you should be and how you should act, and also how you are given love is given to us. And so you just spoke about it so much as like, I was doing and I was doing and I was doing and I was doing. And I remember even from my childhood, it was like, I was doing and I was doing. And if I wasn't doing, I wasn't receiving love because I wasn't doing anything. And it's very much the man box, right? I needed to go do the uh, lawn mowing. I needed to go do the dishes. I needed to go clean the room, which was more doing. I needed to do the vacuuming. I needed to do something, right? And I think that the pressure of that was so grand growing up because that's just how we view men is doers. So you do and do and do and doing is very much an act of service. And once we're put into that box as a young, as a young child, or we're not given any opportunity to be, then our love language is just acts of service. It's the only thing we know. So we get into a relationship and no wonder it's all we think about is how can I do something to make sure they know I love them? How can I do something that represents our relationship? Because that's the only way that I know how to do this now. It's such, it's such a drastic representation of men, I think, as a whole. Right? And that's why you feel like, oh, this is home right? Because it was drilled into you of like, this is just what we do. And even for me, it wasn't necessarily drilled in, but it was represented in my space. It was what I saw was being praised was acts of service. So then I just like, okay, well, that's just, I'm a man. He's a man. Okay, cool. I'm just going to copy that because that's how he's getting his love. And it's very, very um, sometimes overwhelming to look back and be like, whoa, like, was that even really what I wanted to do? I don't know. So I think that what I love about this conversation we're having is that these things may resonate with you, but I think it's beautiful to also understand like, but which one do you actually want? Right? Like which one, which one do you actually want? Because sometimes we are speaking from conditioning. Sometimes we aren't responding with what we actually need. And we're just really responding with what we were given at one point that felt nice and felt comfortable. Maybe I don't want to do access service. I really actually want quality time, but it's uncomfortable for me because it's not really what I was surrounded with or what I feel the man should be doing quote, quote. Uh, but it's actually what I want. It's what I want. I don't want to, I want to, I don't want access service. I want quality time but it's tough for me because society says that's not what I should be getting. That's not what I should be doing. They're very, there's so many intricacies into this space that I've, I've noticed. And even just having this conversation, I'm having revelation after revelation about the impact of everything that's surrounding us. And um, it's beautiful to really dive in. I think to like, what are your needs truly? Like, what do you need? And I know for me as a man, sometimes I, I feel uncomfortable asking myself that question. Because again, like I, I feel like my needs on a societal basis are not important. 
I feel like I'm supposed to be serving everyone outside of myself. What are their needs? How do I give them stuff? Constantly give, 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 give. And how do I, but how do I learn how to receive now? How do I learn how to receive love, receive gifts, receive quality of time, receive everything? Like, how do I learn to also do that? Otherwise, I'm just constantly giving myself away. And I think that's a, that's a constant narrative in men's space. No, I mean, you're, you're, you're speaking that truth right now. If you really listen to that, it's like there's these five languages, right? And how many men are just going to pick the most masculine one? Just off face, just off of face mm-hmm. value, right? Like how many men are just going to look at the list and be like, which one of these, you know, make sure that I maintain my manhood, make, make sure that it like, which one of these are the most masculine one? I'm this one, right? Like if you were to go and pick one of them that maybe like came off, like you didn't, didn't make you feel like more of a man, then you might just like be like, no, but definitely it's not the one that is for me. And then we're talking about this disconnection again, right? Like we're back into this disconnected space where we're looking at charts, we're looking at lists, we're looking at things that just make us more manly, make us more masculine. And we don't look at lists and go, no, nah, my name is Anwar, your name is Kyle. What do I like? What resonates the most with me for real without the constructs of social, without the constructs mm-hmm. of like masculine and feminine? Take all these things out. What resonates the most with you? What feels the best? And that is probably, um, you know, I, I, one, I, don't, I, I know Kobe Bryant referenced it, but I don't know if it was his quote, but he talks about this box and being able to like dance beautifully within your own box. Like we all have our own box. Like there's, it's, it doesn't matter what you're, and I think the essence of life is to figure out what that box is and how to dance beautifully within it for yourself, you know, and you actually get more out of life when you've been able to identify, nope, this is my love language, not because of any social construct, it's mine. And now you know that, and then you just, the fruit of your labor just gets better because you're like, you're moving with actually you and mm-hmm. not moving forward with the, or they, or the society or whatever the case may be. Um, and every time you get a bit of yourself back, I feel like you actually get rooted into something real, you know? Um, and so absolutely, yeah, you're, you're speaking that truth with that. I just think that, uh, and if we're going to pick one, I think access service is probably the most masculine looking one on, on the surface, right? 100%. Serve, 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 you know? Um, yep. Yeah, it's, it's definitely the more, you're right. Absolutely. And I think that's um, growing up, that's just what I gravitated towards. I didn't even know what these were, um, but I just knew that if I, I felt like if I asked for words of affirmation, then I would, I needed this validation um, when I should just be like, I'm a man. So, you know, I don't need it. Um, And then like, what does quality time even mean? I don't know. Um, Physical touch. Well, you know, I guess that means sex. I don't know. Is that just what physical touch is? I just sounds like sex to me. So sure. Maybe I could say that, but we'll touch on that. That's really not actually what that's saying. Um, and receiving gifts is like, no, I'm not supposed to receive gift. I'm supposed to give a gift. So that also can't be mine. So of course it's acts of service because it just means I'm going to do, um, to move forward into the, some of the other ones. Um, one uh, quick thing before you tell move me, forward. It. Also, how many men are looking at the opposite sex and thinking, what do they want? And I'm going to pick whatever they want. Mm. Right. It's like, if, if all you see on TV and all you see in things is like whining and dining somebody and like impressing, 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 showing, giving, like, if that's what you see, then your perception of successful love looks like, Oh, I got to be this player to get that. And Mm. that's just, I'm just going to get good at that. You know what I mean? Cause that's what it's, that's what movies are showing me. That's what this is showing me. That's what right. real experiences are showing me is that when I am in a position of access service, I get like 
rewarded like by society for that behavior mm-hmm. and by the opposite sex i'm finding a lot more uh attraction when i just like you know lay it all on the line and i give myself up um and so how many of us are also picking it from just like a strategic standpoint of like this seems like it works and so i'm gonna pick this you know versus being like um i want words of affirmation like you know what i mean like might be a harder sell um and might have might be more trial and error so i just think that sometimes you know the opposite sex really influences how we show up like a lot you know what i mean like they dictate a lot of how we as men will show up and what we choose to and what we gravitate towards you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um, absolutely that's such a good point yeah the media portrayal is such a big influence right because we're just trying to fit in at the end of the day, we're just trying to do the right thing and we're trying to fit in and we're trying to just do what seems right. Like we're not trying to do any harm or wrong doing. And, uh, and the challenge with that is we just, we really self-sacrifice. We really end up just forgetting about our own needs for never actually contextualizing. What is it that I want? What is it that I desire? And being okay with that because sometimes doing that really means going against the tribe. And if you're love language that you truly want is let's say quality of time, but the masculine way is acts of service. You're going against what society portrays as the man box. And that's hard, right? That's a difficult thing to do, but media says it's not the right one to do. So why why are you following this route when we're giving you the route? And it's very much this construct, this conditioning that's been given to us and is continued to give to us. And the hard part is that it was also given to our parents. It was also given to the generations back. It's not just something we're facing now. And so it's just generations of the same thing. And men just continuing to think acts of service is the only way to really go about it. Um, and again, we're generalizing. I know that this isn't everyone, right? They, there are other family systems. There are other spaces that are uh, that are out there. This is this, but this is just very much like what I personally and what you personally see a lot of. It's just this is what is the common narrative amongst men. But to listen to media and be like, okay, I like that, but is this actually what I want on top of that? Like you said, is this what my partner actually wants? And with all of these love languages, these require conversations. You can't just read this and be like, that's my partner, because it might not be, right? And are you leading from your own conditioning, like you said, an understanding of what you think is the right answer or what is actually the right answer? And you won't know that until you have a conversation with them until you're willing to, to go into this space. And I, I shared this quote on my page the other day. Um, it said something along the lines of, we spend so long ignoring the fire, but we forget that the fire is where the phoenix is reborn. And so walking into that and being willing to step into the perceived fire, the metaphorical fire with your partner and be like, this is gonna be uncomfortable. And I don't know if I know what I want and I wanna figure out what you want And the hard part for me to admit is that maybe I don't know, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe I don't know. And that's okay. I would like to learn, right? Let's have that. Or what if they pick something that I know I'm not that good at? Right. Then it almost adds a layer of emasculation. Be like, whoa, uh oh, I don't think I can support this space. I don't know if I can love them that way because I don't know. Um, I don't, I'm not familiar with that space. So I'm probably just going to continue to lead with what I believe is the right answer. And again, we're speaking to so many of the challenges of everyday relationships. Uh, it's just this uh, idea of, of being willing to understand that we're, we're two different people. And one thing you mentioned that I want to make, that I kind of want to touch on just briefly is the idea of enmeshment, right? Enmeshment says both of our love languages are quality time because we're in a relationship. If you love me and I love you, we're in a relationship, we should be the same. We have to be the same. And if we're not the same, 
something's wrong. So if I like quality of time, you better like quality of time. You better like that one. Because if you don't, how, how are we supposed to relation? This doesn't make sense to me anymore. How, what do you mean I'm supposed to be, what do I mean I'm supposed to have lacks of service in your quality of time? How do we do that? This is confusing. How do we spend time? What do we do? How do we, do we go activities? Do we not? Do we stay home? And so many of the, of the things get complicated for people because they think that they need to be the same kind of person and be loved and receive love the exact same way. And that is literally like saying you aren't allowed to be different. Mm-hmm. And that I know from me and my experience with relationships, I've been there. I've done that. And that is so unhealthy because <laughs> it causes so many problems because you're constantly self-sacrificing and you it never really truly feels good even if you feel like you're giving them love to self-sacrifice it never really truly does so it's finding that beautiful balance um this is a great conversation by the way uh leading into another one um is quality time so love and love and affection are expressed when someone gives their undivided attention. So um, the, what Keywords. they say here, yeah, I, what they say here is putting down your phone, turning off your tablet, actively listening, which I think is a the biggest component of quality time for me. Um, and so that they they feel loved when you're just when you're present. Simple as that. Um, so I know for me, quality of time is huge. Personally, mm-hmm. I think quality of time is huge because I I know that I feel the energy when someone's not listening, and when someone is not paying attention, and it kind of it, it makes me feel like why what are we why are we even talking? So a lot of the times I will stop talking or I'll address it or I'll bring it up, and that's how I started to recognize. Oh, I I appreciate quality of time a lot. I appreciate mm-hmm. quality of time a lot. Um, but I also think that uh, as a man, I rejected this. I rejected this idea because quality of time means that like, maybe I have to work less, Mm -hmm. right. Or maybe like I have to, you know, give attention more when I'm like, I'm tired or I had a long day at work or just like the idea of what a man box is. You come home and like quality of time is like, no, we're on the couch watching TV. Right. And so many times for some, that could be something that you feel is quality time, just sharing space. Um, Mm -hmm. But I recognize that, you know, that wasn't, um, this elevated example of quality of time that I just gave is not, wasn't a common narrative for me. Um, it really just felt like as long as we were in the right space, then that was fine. But like they said here, turning off your phone, not being on it, undivided attention. It's just, it's a different level. Um, do you feel like you value quality of time? Do you feel like you repress it? Like I did. You know what? Uh, it's hard to say it's, it's hard to go against it and say you don't value it. Right. It just feels mm-hmm. awful. It feels awful to say that, you know, so um, I don't, I don't think saying like, do I value it or not? It makes me feel like uncomfortable answering it like that. But I think I just don't need it as much as most people. That's mm-hmm. the better. I, I don't need it as much as somebody would need it. Like if your quality time was your thing, like there is a hole in your life when there, it doesn't exist. Like there is like, you know, you can feel it. Um, for me, I don't need it as much. Like, um, and I'm talking about the general concept, like more talking about like, if you like, I need to have that evening with you and watching the movie and like, oh, I'm talking about that stuff. The undivided attention stuff. Yes. If I'm in front of you and you're looking at your phone, like, whew, like, I'm not, I hate that. Like I'm, cause I'm like, I don't need it that much, but when I need it, I need it undividedly. Like I need all of it. Like I don't need, I don't, I'd rather have, I'd rather have one strong concentrated conversation. And then like, I'd rather have really good bursts of like connected connectedness and then we can disconnect for a a while i'm not i'm not so tied to like having to come back um 
but I know other people are, and you know, I know other people are, they really, really, and I can tell the difference between someone who like, um, you know, cause I, one of my first, you know, one of my first relationships really taught me this is, um, you know, at the time I was, I was, I was a basketball player, you know what I mean? And I was an athlete and I wanted to make the university basketball team and I was living on my own and I was working. And so there was a lot of things on my lists of things to accomplish, like on my day to day, but I'm in a relationship, right? So like I'm in a full relationship, but I'm managing working full time training so i'd wake up at five in the morning go to the gym train then i would go to class then i'd have practice in the middle of the day then i would go and close a go and close a restaurant that would end at like like one or two um and then i would do it again right and on the days that i trained at 5 a.m i wasn't every day i trained at 5 a.m the days i didn't i closed for example i wouldn't train at 5 a.m but the days i didn't close or i got off at eight or nine um, but i pretty much worked six days a week for like my whole entire university um, and just like would manage it all. And then I thought, okay, yeah, cool. I'll just throw in a relationship because quality time doesn't matter for me. Like I can just like, when I have that Tuesday off, we'll hang out on the Tuesday. Um, and like, we'll, we'll fill that time, but phew, roll over the schedule time over time with somebody who cared about quality time, you feel it. Like, it's just, you know, then it starts questioning, like, why do you have to train three times a day? And that's when I was like, what, why do I have to train? I, it's my passion. Like, I'm trying to be the best. Um, and, and then now you see the disconnect of like, she's like, I'm not, not trying to make you the best at what you do. It's just, you need to make some time for this. And like, you know, and now I'm in this construct of like, are you trying to make me like lose my passions? Are you trying to like, are you trying to like dismiss? Mm -hmm. Are you trying to like, like shrink my goals and, and dim my light for quality of like hanging out? Do we not, did I not hang out with you on Tuesday? Then when you start playing that game, now you know you're, now you know you're not, you don't value it as much as they do. You know, you start playing the schedule game. You're like, we just hung out. Um, like, so it was last week. I want to hang out again. I'm like, but I have a full schedule. <laughs> like, um, and so that's when I really realized that like, for me, it was more about like, when we did hang out, let's have a great time. Let's like disconnect, put the phones down. Like, because I know that I don't know, we don't know how often these moments happen where sometimes I notice with the quality time people, it's like your presence. We don't even need to be that engaged, but the fact that you're there, you've carved out the time to be there. If I did that more often, you would feel more. And I'm like, I'd rather not have these empty hangouts. I'd rather have two powerful hangouts and then like move on with our lives. Um, and so that's kind of how I've kind of come around to it. But quality time is one of those ones where it's like, you obviously, like I wrote it down here. It's extremely important and is like a pivotal, 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 foundational almost component to a relationship. And in some capacity, you, there needs to be quality time. It's a matter of the, I think the, the amount, um, you know, that's the variance for people is obviously no relationship. I feel like relationships struggle if there's no quality time. Like how do you build a relationship with no quality time? You know, you need to have that isolation time. Just some people value it at a way different level. You know what I mean? And some people are just like, I need that like, you know, every once in a while kind of hang out. Um, and you see it in like, for example, um, athletes, you know, who aren't home for like a huge part, like if you're an athlete, if you quality time was number one love language for you, whew, that's tough. You know what I mean? Like you're not around, like you're not around all the time. It'd be very hard. And like, you know, you'd have to struggle versus someone who could come home. You know what I mean? In those three, I feel like I could be like, an, I'm like an athlete with quality love. Like when I'm home, I'm home. When I'm not home, I'm not home. And it doesn't really, you know what I mean? I might desire it a little bit, get it like, you know, a zoom call or a FaceTime. I'm very active in those capacities, but I don't need to be in front of you all the time to feel like this thing, this ship is moving. Like, um, just never really been my, I've never been codependent in that capacity. Like I can, I'm very autonomous in that way. Um, 
but that's kind of, you know, how it lands for me and how I've unpackaged it. Um, mm. I do think I still probably need a lot more growing. And I think that a, a stronger relationship or like kids or like all this stuff would, would change this dynamic for mm. me really quickly. I think that I would change my tone on a lot of that stuff with quality time pretty quickly. Cause one would argue that like I'm working my ass off to have more quality time for the future. So I'm aware mm. of it in some capacity. I just don't, I, I don't, I, in the short term, I, I'm, I'm not valuing it as much right now. Um, mm. I do see a lot of it more in my future though. Gotcha. Gotcha. And you, you mentioned like, this is not really a space that you've ever really valued. I think something, a question we haven't really asked is why, you know, why do you think that is? Why do you think that quality of time has never really been a big stint for you? And I think you gave examples, but like maybe on a deeper level, um, was, was this represented differently for you when you were growing up by your parents and by your upbringing? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I, that's a great, you know, thing. Cause if you think, if I think about my childhood, we didn't really spend that much quality time together, right? Like, my family didn't do camping. My mm. family didn't go to restaurants and eat at, like all together and like at dinner where we like did this event. Like, you know what I mean? Like I can, I can probably count on a hand or two how many times we actively were like, hey, everybody come here. We're mm. gonna do this thing together collectively. You know what I mean? Like I, maybe on one hand, maybe on two, you know what I mean? Right. I, a very vivid memory is when I went, I remember we have pictures. We went to Victoria as a family. Like we went to, we were lived in Vancouver at the time we went. And that day is like very pivotal in my mind. I remember it very clear. Everyone was there. We went to Victoria. We stayed in a hotel. There's pictures from that day. And when I look at it, I'm like, this is one of like seven family outings that I remember as a child. Mm right? Like most of it was just like live life in the rat race. Like, you know, we eat, we like, and one could argue that, yeah, you had lunch every day with your family, but like, is that quality time? Is that different than right. any other day? Like, I think quality time implies some level of like conscious, like we're going to do this as a unit, you know, collectively, we're going to go conquer this. We're going to do this, like, come, let's do this together. And I don't think that that was very prominent in my household. So I never really gravitated to a, like a, um, a fond feeling of that where I could picture if a kid did camping trips all the time with their parents. And every time they went, they had those like bonfire moments and s'more moments, how that kid could grow up being like, I love that quality time. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like where they actually had a feeling for that. I don't really have that. I don't really have that thing. Like um, I found a little bit of that in like sports where like being a part of a team where we go mm. together and, you know, and I used to love the quality time with my teammates. I used to, right. yeah, I did remember loving that, you know what I mean? But I never loved it in like simple, you know, relation, like separate contexts. like, um, gotcha. Yeah, that, that's fair. And I appreciate you sharing. I think that, you know, we're speaking to the fact that we like and don't like things, but I think it's also beautiful to be like, oh, interesting. Why don't I like that? You know, and maybe it's not just a preface of like, ah, it's not really something I enjoy. It's maybe or don't almost always. Much, yeah, yeah it's, it's almost always something that uh, it always stems back to whatever we were influenced by our, our parents and our upbringing and our and our, um, our our parenting. But I think one thing that just to kind of tie the loop on quality time is that the, in it. In and of itself, the phrase itself gives you context. Quality. I think I think time is, is there always. This is time. You and I spending time, right? But it's just literally the word. If you just know, okay, well, let's if I'm buying clothes, what am I buying quality clothes? And when you go and think that way, it's like, okay, well, now you're looking for a specific thing right? Or like, I want a quality dinner. It's like, okay, you know, you want something that is great. You know, you want something that brings value. So I think if you take that context and apply it to the time, then you kind of understand on how to execute on this and how to receive it also to how you want to receive it. It's like, I want it to be good. 
you know quality time means i want it to be good so what does good look like or what does great look like if i want it to be great moving on to the last two uh i think there's there's two last ones um the one i have here is physical touch so uh what i prefaced earlier and what i'll preface again is that this is not just simply sex and i think that in the mad box it's easy to say physical touch means sex that's all it is um, but for me personally this is um this is my number one is physical touch um and so it's things like you know just kind of grabbing my arm or um giving me a back rub or holding my hand or honestly even just like being in contact with me um for me that just really makes me feel loved and it makes me feel the affection and it, it makes me feel like we're together and you know it kind of almost speaks to quality of time a little bit where like if you're just like if we're walking down the street and your hand is on my arm i feel loved and i feel um i can i feel like i can physically feel the energetic love that i'm receiving from you it's like oh you want to you know touch me or you want to hold me or you want to kind of be in my space. So physical touch has been huge for me personally. Um, and I really had to learn that it was aside from sex. I think that when I first heard physical touch, like I said, it was like, oh, it just means sex. That's all it means. Um, it just means the, the interaction of sexual relations. That's all it meant. Um, and so that was a hard one for me to be like, oh, interesting. Like, how do I present this in a way like, no, that's actually not just what I want though. That's the man box of how it would be presented but that's actually not simply all it is for me. Um, so that was my first representation of physical touch. What was yours? And do hard. you really value this? I was going to say hard left, baby. Yes. <laughs> this is like, it is physical touch and me have been a working progress, um, mm. understanding it, figuring it out, being able to kind of just like, um, I, I often use the example of like cat and dogs, like, you know, like I'm, I'm very aware when there's dog lovers in the room and when there's cat lovers in the room. And what I mean by that is like, I show affection like a cat. I'm like, I'm like, sometimes I'm there. Sometimes I'm like, don't come this way. You know what mm. I mean? Where dogs, I feel like are very one track minded in that. Like they want, they want love all the time. Door mm. opens. I'm like, you know, and I'm like, if you are trying to understand who I am as a person, picture coming home to a dog and then picture coming home to a cat. I'm the cat. I'm not running to the door. Like it's not, it's not, that's not just, it's, it's, I, and I think that, you know, going back to the why and always asking yourself why it's, I just was not around affection. Dude. Like it just right. wasn't that thing. Like, you know, I remember my dad coming to visit us in Winnipeg um, after my mom and my dad hadn't seen each other in like years. Like it was like two and a half years. Like he was supporting us from Vancouver. We had this mission we were on in Winnipeg uh, and it was like, we were going to the airport and we came and the exchange was so simple like it was like as if they he just went to the gas station and came back like it was like hey done like say la vie like mm. nothing more nothing less like and it was just when you're constantly programming to seeing that you just don't ever gravitate to where like i would go to my friend's house or, and i would see his mom make out with his dad in front of us and i was like whoa a bit too much but like you know what i mean and like so obviously you're gonna grow up with a different like feeling of that like you know you're gonna a, be curious about it b be more like whatever um and i just like never like you know affection was just something that wasn't as prominent in our household um you know i uh not that my mom wasn't an affectionate person towards the kids, for example. I just always remember being one of those kids who like, you would hug me and I'd feel a little bit like that about it, like a bit sticky. Like, you know, it'd be like, oh, I love you so much. And I'd be like, okay, that's enough. Like, I just <laughs> like, you know, like I was always on the side of like, less is more. Um, but 
talk about that being very difficult if you're going to try and be in a relationship, right? It's like, it shows its challenges. And I've been there like, oh, and I've had to have these before I didn't even know too, right? So before I got educated on love languages and things like that, I didn't know how absence or how avoidance I was in that love language, you know? So mm-hmm. when things were not working out and like, if you're dealing with a partner who doesn't also know what's going on, but there's something going on, you know, one person speaking Chinese, one person speaking English, you just don't, we don't know how to, we don't know how to come with common ground. I don't know what I'm doing. That's not working here. You don't know what you're doing. That's not working here. Um, and we're just both like at crossroads and like there's areas in where, our, you know, other love languages where we show up and it's like, cool, that was great. Acts of service, acts of service. That worked well. Words of affirmation, that works well. And then you get, you get to the physical touch when it's like, some here is not adding up, you know? Mm. Um, and I remember having to be like, um, once I got past that first relationship where I didn't really know what I was missing. And once I figured out, oh, you're not good at this. This is not something that you're you sh- like you like you don't show up to this. You have to be conscious about this. And the best way I can describe to like you know um, a partner of mine, I, the best way I described to her is I was like, every time I hold your hand, it's a conscious thought. It's it does not happen instinctually at all. It's like we are gonna do this thing right now. Like it's like every moment I engage in some sort of like like little kind of thing like that, it would be like very conscious of like this person wants me to put my arm around her do it like it was like it was like a very like and I was like I know for you it seems very like you just grab it just happens you just grab this grab that you're just doing it like with instincts you're like hey come here like I want to like and I'm like every time and and the other part to it too which is I know I'm not every time you touch me I know like Mm. and I and I and I'm aware very I'm like oh like it's a very like oh you know what I mean? It's not even like a, it's not even like a, uh, a light casual understanding of it. Like it's like every time I lean or you lean, I know I'm very hyperactive and hyper aware of it, which I was like, oh man. So this is, uh, you know, I'm going to say all this because, you know, I was going to save this for the end, but it just goes to show that like, I do think that we all have primary love languages for us, but I think it's important for us to like learn and be good at the basics of all of them because you don't know who you're going to mm-hmm. come in contact with. You know what I mean? And I, I could easily just be like, no, you know, physical touches in me. I'm just going to like cancel that one out. And then like, I'm just going to eliminate half. I'm going to eliminate a quarter of the population. You know what I mean? Right. Like for what though? Like, is it something that you could work on? Is it a skill that you can work on? It's like, do I really ever want a, a partnership where they're like, Anwar doesn't value quality time. He's writing it off. No. Or, you know, physical touches in Anwar's thing. No. Do I ever want someone to write off one of these? No. I, I want to be at least, at least average at like like three of them and excellent at two or something like that you know what Mm -hmm. i mean i think they're all a working progress and to know i just know that physical touch is my worst one so when i I need to deploy the most amount of effort in um and it's important regardless like whether it's my person's primary or their secondary it's like if you can't figure out a way to um, communicate non-verbally through physical touch how you're feeling um then it just puts so much more pressure on all the other ones. So imagine I didn't say anything and I didn't, and I didn't show you physically. Well, now the love just is gone in the air. Right. So it, it puts so much more pressure on me being like, okay, well now I have to leverage words of affirmation. Cause like, I need to make sure that this person knows I care, but you can say, I love you with a handhold. Like these physical touch things, they speak volume. Sometimes you don't got to say words. Um, and so I think having a good melody of all of these creates a bit more balance for you. It protects yourself. If you're not showing up in the one that you're usually good at, a simple handhold can get you, get you through that day. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's so many things that you could pull out of that. Um, but just, uh, the, the one thing that I really latched onto was 
um, just the idea that you can't just you can't just write them off. I think that's just the, the biggest thing. You can't just write one of these off because they're all components of everyday life, really. If you think about it, like they're not just relationship aspects. They're part of components of life, like giving words of affirmation to, like you said, at the restaurant, that was such a great example of like, this was delicious. Thank you. Saying something like that, it's not in a relational context, but it's like, hey, I enjoyed this. And they're like, whoa, that's great. I appreciate that because you know, how many people tell them that this was a delicious dinner or something, you know, um, quality of time can be applied to anyone. It can be applied to your coworkers. It can be applied to your friendships, even just having this conversation. How quickly can this conversation turn if we're not in here trying to give some sort of quality time? This would mm-hmm. not be a good conversation, right? Um, so that applies here as well as relationships. Physical touch, like with you and I, I enjoy giving a hug rather than a fist bump, right? Because I feel like there's that's my representation of like, hey, what, brother, I love you. Like, just, just know that. And I, you know, I want to make sure that we feel connected. Um, but that's different with a partnership because I want to hold your hand and I want to, you know, I don't know, touch feet on feet or so, I don't know, like I'm just making things up now. Um, acts of service applies to everything. I think that you just, you can't neglect one because mm-hmm. it will apply at some point. Um, and you really do, you almost take away a beautiful component of a relationship if you say no. Right. Mm-hmm. If you say, no, I'm not an acts of service kind of guy. That's not what I do. But you, then you take away a beautiful opportunity to love. Um, and it doesn't mean you have to do it all the time. It just means you, how can I love better? And Tony Robbins always said the quote uh, that I took me a while to fully understand, but he said, the quality of your relationships determines the quality of your life. And when you take that into context and you think back to all of the times where you feel like you were stressed or annoyed or frustrated or not really feeling things, or maybe you felt super joyful and super happy and fulfilled and ready to take on anything, what was happening? And I know I look back, it's like the majority of the time, it's because my friendships were great. I had a great time with my friends the other day and I really feel connected to my family and well, oh, I just started this new relationship. So I'm ready to do anything, right? Like it's everything changes when your quality of your relationships is good. But when you're arguing, when you're having a disagreement and then you try to go to work, what are you thinking about? You're sure as hell not thinking about work right? We know that. And so the quality of whatever that looks like is really, I agree, I think it's going to really determine how you see life and the quality of how you choose to live each day. And we know from talking about just these five love languages to start is that that's such a great way to start um, navigating how to improve those relationships. Um, The last one that we have on here um, is receiving gifts. So to a person who loves languages, receiving gifts, gift giving is symbolic of love and affection. Um, so it's, I think for me personally, this was like a small gifts. I, I never really felt like it was the bigger gifts that made the biggest difference. Um, I was always like seeking the small ones, right? I mentioned that earlier, the chocolate bar thing, right? Like I just bring you something home. Here's a gift. Here's a, here's a gift of my love. Um, but I, I learned the hard way <laughs> that um, that actually wasn't being received. And I was like, wait, I bought you a chocolate bar. Like, I do, what do you mean you're not receiving this? Like, I don't understand. Um, it was yeah, really- First conf- of all, I did it. And second of all, it's chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> like, th- this just seems like this should be a no-brainer. A um, layup. But, but what that speaks spoke to so profoundly for me when I finally was able to have that conversation was that, oh, right. This is not a one-size-fits-all. The media gave me that the media gave me, this is one size fits all. So I give you a gift. And I also make sure that gift is chocolate to a, to my uh, woman partner. Well then, oh my gosh, I'm the best partner in the world. Come on. I bring you chocolate. You don't, you love chocolate. 
And it wasn't just the fact though, that I learned that it wasn't just, I love you love chocolate because she does, but it was, this just isn't how I feel love from you. Mm -hmm. I don't feel love in this. I love that you did that. And I so much appreciate the chocolate, but it's not how I receive love. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really realized I was doing it a lot. And I was like, oh, we're in a great spot. This relationship's great. Look at all the love I'm giving, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I really just, I really got smacked in the face with the idea of like, whoa, this isn't resonating. And this whole time I thought it was, this entire time I thought it was. And that's when a conversation actually had to be had about like, listen, like you're not, you're giving me this, but I want this. I'm like, oh, damn it, damn it. I thought I was getting it right because that's what the media gave me was right. Mm-hmm. So that's how I took receiving gifts. Is it receiving gifts something that you enjoy giving? Um, is, it, is it something you enjoy receiving? I definitely love giving gifts. Yeah. Love, give, love giving gifts. Um, I think two, two of the love languages that um, I think I don't admit to myself as much is, um, is words of affirmation, for example. I love hearing words of affirmation. I'm a very awkward compliment receiver. Mm. So it's a, it's a, there's a, a huge contrast. Like, and I want you to tell me like things about me, but I, I don't like, if I could just ex, like skip the, uh, like the receiving part of it and just like, we could do it in silence. Like I would, I would say that's maybe like way up there for me, but because I have to deal with the receiving and some sort of answer of like, mm. you know, uh, being like being able to just like, and it's the same thing with the gift giving to me. It's like, I know I love the gift. I just struggle with the actual receiving part of the gift. Like, and so I almost skip the awkwardness and I, I would naturally, just because I know how I feel when I receive gifts, I push it to like the corner and go, no, I can't be mine. But the reality is, is that like when the dust settles, I actually like what I receive. I'm very freaking happy. Like I'm, a, I'm very into it. Like, and same when I, you know, um, what I often do with words of affirmation is my reflex is like, you know, to now, also show my love and affection for you too. Like that's my reflex. Like instead of mm. taking it and saying nothing, I will just be like, or just being like, thank you and letting it live. I will be like, no, but I love this about you and blah, blah. And that's my way of deflecting. But later on, I'll know that I'll reflect on what they said and be really giddy about it. Like really excited that that came out of that person's mouth. Like whether it's a colleague, whether it's a anybody, it could be anybody. Anytime words of affirmation comes my way, I feel the response to not wear it how I should. I respond in a way that isn't, it shows that I'm struggling to receive. Um, but when I leave, oh man, I'm, 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 I'm on fire. Like I am so ecstatic that you noticed and you cared and you mentioned it and it, it resonated and something happened, you know? Um, podcast is a great example. There's times I've been like, you know, stopped in the street with a friend and you're like, I love your podcast. And I'm like, like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> thanks for listening. Like, I'm just right. so, even though, I go home and I'm calling you and I'm like, dude, they love the podcast. They love the podcast. So it just shows how awkward it is. It's like, I'm obviously excited, but I'm obviously not showing that I can receive it. So I'm mm-hmm. like, it's like, so I got to work on to, to, to love it more. I need to work on receiving it better, you know, so I can actually like actually live in loving it, you know, and not have this, this awkward, you know, no to a yes moment. Um, and I think receiving gifts is the same way. I think that like, so there's something about me that deals with the, am I worthy? You know what I mean? Like, why me? Like, why, why are you giving me a gift? Like I've never grown up on gifts. So it's like, it makes me feel like, and then it's like, what do I owe you too? Like, that's the other, like the mm. other, like, you know, 
So I love, I do like receiving gifts from people that I know are, you know, in that lineage of like, you're my squad. So it feels less awkward. Um, and I'll, I'll take it on more. Um, but yeah, receiving gifts is one of those things where it's like, I know there's a joy. I know I love it because I love, I love giving it. And I love someone who can recreate that moment for me. So I know that there's something here that I like, um, but there's a blockage as well that I'm fighting through and trying to get over is this idea that like, uh, you know, you are worthy of getting something because, you know, you're a human being and you do good things for people and they want to show their love to you. And um, like, I'd be the kind of person who just says like, no, 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 it's good. It's okay. Like, it's fine. Like, it's fine. Like, I'm that guy. I'm no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. No, no, don't, 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 no, it's cool. Instead of being like, yeah, thanks, man. And knowing that you did something that made this person feel that way to even ask you or offer you that mm -hmm. thing. Um, so I'm almost down, I'm downplaying what I've done and not allowing them to like show their, like show their love for what I did, you know, or whatever the case may be. So that's one I definitely want to like work out of, uh, both of those. Um, I think I could receive words of affirmation better. Uh, cause I, I know I love it. I know it's like way up there for how I love it. Just awkward to receive, um, mm -hmm. and receiving gifts. It's not crazy. I don't love it that much, but I know when it, those moments do happen, like I love it. Like, you know what I mean? But like, it's also like, I don't need it all the time, but I do like when someone gives me a thoughtful gift. Like I really do. I like that. Like, I'm not going to be shy about it. I definitely like that. I just don't, I didn't grow up on it. So I don't need it. And I don't like, yeah. like, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. one of those ones. So totally. And you said something that I like, you said, um, uh, that I want to touch. You said, I'm not that guy. And the way I see that or took that was I'm a guy. And what I mean by that is like re receiving you, you talk about the worth and I resonate with that so deeply. And it's something that I've really had to face over the course of my life is like, I just feel so unworthy all the time. And I have my own childhood spaces with that, where I, I felt abandoned and I felt like I wasn't worthy of being loved. And I, I navigate those spaces as I get into relations and I start to be, you know, mature as an adult and as I, as I find the worth, I think it's so fascinating that we, as men, as just in a general sense, as men, we feel like there is going to be a time where we will be worthy enough to receive, but it's not now as if we haven't done enough, we aren't successful enough. We don't have enough things. We haven't proven enough. Like as if like just being a human being is never enough. Being, being a man is not enough. I feel that all the time. I'm like, I don't, I have, what have I really even done? Like, I don't know. I feel like I, I just literally stripped away my entire life. I'm for sure not worthy of anything right now because my worth as a man is based on, you know, a lot of times my bank account and my success, right. And my position at work and my role that I play, like it's based on so many other things. At least that's the story that I've created and the story that's been given to me. And also the story that was modeled when I was younger, because well, that's what they knew too. That's, that's the age old thing is like, you are worthy of as a man, if you um, have X, Y, Z, not just because you are simply a human being, a man and working through that self-worth was a, a challenge. And so I do the same thing as you do receiving gifts. It's like, mm, thank you. Mm. And I like curl up in a ball, like, oh, what is that? Like, I don't know what a gift is like, stop that. And I think that, you know, it, sometimes it would be better where it's like, if you maybe um, again, this is the part of the learning process, but I think what we both would prefer is like, if you just put it on the table and then you left and then I came home and I saw it, I wouldn't feel the pressure, you know, of being like, sure. Thank you so much. Uh, right. Cause then it's like, I can, I can receive it in my own way, but, um, pushing it back, I think is, um, 
the way that I see it is I think that things are showing up in our lives for a reason, right? And I think it really speaks to the idea of abundance is when someone gives you something, right? It's really a testament to your worth. It really is. We just don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. But it's also a testament to like the universe just giving you things. It's like, here, have this, have that, take that. And because it's unlimited, it never stops. But when it does stop is when you start to say no. Mm-hmm. And you're like, mm, nope, not for me, mm, not for me. But then you're asking for more, but more is coming and you're saying no. Right. That's what I really had to learn was that abundance doesn't come always in the form I expect it to. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm over here being like, I want to be financially abundant. And then I'm given this tiny gift and I'm like, no, I, that's not what I wanted. Quote, that's not what I think I need, quote, quote, right? So then I push it back and say, no, don't give me that. You know, give me the financial abundance. Give me something else, right? That falls in line with what I think is what I want. But the universe is like, no, take that. How about that? What about this? You know, it, there isn't just that in life. Here's that and that. And I just keep saying, no, 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 no. And then be like, where's the money? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's just not how the universe works. And so that's part of the gift giving where I really and receiving gifts where I really had to learn, like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's beautiful that you're getting these gifts because it really is a testament to just how much you really are worthy and how much the people do see value in you. But as a man, I really struggled with that. I really felt like it was never going to be that way. It's like, no, I'm not worthy until this. So stop giving me this until that, you know, um, as if it was going to be this beautiful pinnacle moment where I'm going to be, I don't even know when that's the funny, I don't even know when that time is, when is the worthiness come? When does that come? I don't know. Right. Because a lot of men get the promotion and they still don't feel worthy. So what is the level that I was searching for? I never knew. I still don't know, you know? (laughs) So it's very, very interesting to be um, in that space as a man, for sure. I think that there's definitely also an element that comes up for me of just, you know, if you, if you ever grown up in like a poor environment or you grew up in, you know, an environment that didn't have as much Um, well, you spending or giving up extra resources to this Mm -hmm. thing felt like a counterproductive activity, you know, and it felt like, no, no, don't do that. We're already like playing an uphill battle. You know what I mean? We're already doing this. Um, And then there's also there's that feeling of like, no, like I know, but in, like, in a relationship, sometimes that will happen, right? Like two people will be dating. They have some financial goal they're trying to get to. One of the person breaks the compromise. They get the gift. The gift isn't received because it's like, we had a financial goal. Why did you spend the money? Like, you know, why did we do this? And it's like, now you've caused, uh, mm-hmm. you know, another friction where it's like, I wanted to give you the gift because of who you are as a person and how, how much I value you. I'm not worried about where I took it from. I'll feel I'll, I'm ready to, I obviously spent it knowing that I can kind of replace it. Uh, or I want to replace it. I think that this moment is more important right now. Um, and th- that will be well, like, you know, you'll see people skip birthdays because of this, like they'll skip seasons, they'll skip a time to give a gift because they're like, so focused on this other illusional thing. Um, and that's when I feel like, you know, we get into these traps of like, you know, we got these financial goals in our mind. And sometimes we think that like, if we're a part of a collective, we're part of a group spending money, any money from that group collective, whether it's to me or not, um, I'm upset about because it doesn't allow us to get to where we need to get to, which is mm-hmm. almost like putting what we talked about earlier, putting your joy on layaway, putting your happiness on layaway, putting your, you know, your excitement for life on pause, um, which in some capacity, very valuable being able to, you know, be disciplined enough to understand that we're trying to get to somewhere. So how can we live a a life that allows us to get there? Um, But then in other capacities, it's like, well, okay, we don't need to buy that, but how can we buy something that feels validated that fits our constructs right now? Right. Like there's, I always say that there's, there's always 
the behavior shouldn't change. Like my gifts to my friends, they're all based on where I'm at financially, but you're getting a gift. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's, if I'm really down on my luck, I'm down bad. You're going to get a chocolate bar. If mm. I'm really up on my luck and I'm, I'm up big, you're going to get that dream pair of shoes that you've been looking for. Because like, to me, it's the fact that like, it's, I'm at a different financial space right now when I'm like willing to give you something. Uh, and I think that if people just understood that, like, I think that you could get so much more out of life. If you just said, Hey, I could date somebody and they're just cool with me being able to just give and receive at the level that I'm at right now. And as your level goes up, the things will go up. And as, as your level goes down, the gifts will go down, but that's the bat. That's the friendship. That's like the, Hey, we ate ramen noodles together. And now we're going five star hotels. Like, you know, it's, it's this idea of like where we were, when we were at those levels, we did X, Y, and Z and not just going complete hold on everything, you know, mm -hmm. skipping every birthday. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, Cause it's just, I feel like by skipping chapters, you play to the, 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 you play to the game of not understanding that life is fickle because when you skip stuff, you're implying that there's a guaranteed for the time that you skipped. Mm -hmm. right? So if you skip my birthday this year and say, I have no, I don't have anything to give you. I don't have, I can't even just have that thought. I can't write on a card. I can't, I can't do anything. I'm just going to skip it because I can't get you the gift that I want to give you, which is the AirPods or whatever the thing is. I'll just buy you the AirPods next year and just skip your birthday this year. Well, what you've just done is you've said to the world, don't worry next year will come for sure and then what what happens what happens when you know you're better off just writing the goddamn card you're better off just giving what you can at the time and showing that like hey on this day i show up and what i show up with is 100 predicated on where i'm at with my life mm -hmm. because then you didn't miss a moment you were there you just weren't there with bearing hands with what maybe you think might be able to value your accomplishments mm -hmm. you know um, and so there's a lot there, I think, to, you know, to unpack it is just show up with what you can and don't, don't rely on the future to solve, you know, don't rely on that big idea to solve, you know, or to validate your insecurities realistically. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's just a testament to like giving and receiving gifts is it's, it's uh, there's so much pressure that comes with it because of the society we live in and the idea that it needs to be grand, like get me a goose jacket, you know, not a jacket from H and M. Like that we just see so much more value in the more pricey things and the things that are grander and bigger when, you know, sometimes getting a card does mean like, Oh, wow, you, that's a gift in a way. And this is, you were thinking of me. That's really what gift giving often is and receiving gifts is like, you were thinking about me and you thought about me when you wanted to buy this. That's perfect. Um, and so I think that just taking into context of like, it's okay, regardless of if it's small or big, um, I think it's just about how are you thinking about it, right? And are you doing it because you do feel insecure? And so therefore I need to compensate by giving you a gift. Um, I think that was a beautiful way to tie that loop. Um, definitely a fascinating one. Receiving gifts is, is a big component for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so with all five, right? Now we know all five. All five love languages are quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, physical touch, and words of affirmation. Now we've obviously done our homework a little bit before we walked into this. So to kind of tie the loop on all five, you mentioned earlier that there is a predominant one, right? There's one that if I say right now I'm in a partnership and I want this, there's, that's what we want. What is your top one? Yeah. I think my primary love language is definitely acts of service. Acts of service. And that's what you want to receive, not give, right? 
That's what I want to receive. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I feel the most, that's when I feel the most alive is when um, whatever partner I'm dealing with has uh, that, that, that keen eye for access service, you know, that, um, that, that synergy that exists quietly and silently. And it's just like, it, it, it feels like a partnership to me. Like that's always kind of how I've, uh, I've known that like, you know, those moments where like you're in a car and you're just driving or you're walking and you feel that burst of like, like super overwhelming, like love, it often comes off of a back of some sort of act of kindness that someone has done or acts of service that they've done for me. Um, that makes me feel like, um, and maybe that comes from the idea of just like, you know, this, this real desire for feeling support uh, and wanting support. And to me, it's always been, I can take on a lot. I can do a lot, but it's nice when someone else, you know, sees me in that moment of vulnerability and is there for me and, and, and it's quiet, you know, cause sometimes I'm not going to, I'm not naturally going to admit that I'm, I need that something right now, or I need this right now. And, um, but those days that I come home and I know it's true. Cause even, even with my roommate, those days I come home and that thing is that thing that was a problem is not a problem anymore. And it's done. And I'm just like, Ooh, and like, you just like, you can, you're, I always feel like in those moments, my attraction to the person gets like the, the glue is getting stronger and stronger. Every time I see that moment, I'm like, Oh, you know, I, I feel it. So I think that for me, that's definitely my, um, my, my primary love language. Mm, beautiful. Love that. Love that. Uh, and for me, it, I think I expressed this earlier. It's definitely physical touch. Yeah. And I think that one thing I just remembered I was going to bring up earlier is that a lot, you know, whenever we're in our childhood, there's either one way or the other, we're getting it or we're not. And so when we grow up, we make a decision at some point and be like, okay, I don't want that at all. Cause I was never around it or it's all I crave. It's all I want because I wasn't giving it, given it as a child. And for me, uh, physical touch wasn't really a thing. I wasn't, there was an affection, you know, like even with my mother and I, as we evolve and our relationship builds, it's almost as if we're getting to that point now where we're like hug, like a real, like a good hug. And like, I'm, you know, giving her a kiss on the head goodbye. And like, just like little moments of like love that are, that are physically driven just wasn't really a thing. And when I was in the, the middle stages of my life, um, after obviously infancy, it was like, it was not there. It's just not what we did. And so when, as I grew up and got into relationships, it's like, that's all I want. <laughs> that's all I crave is because it wasn't really there. And um, so for me, it just became this thing. And so I've had to learn how to obviously balance it and not swing the pendulum to be like, I don't want any of the other five. I just want this one. Cause that's not true, but I think it's easy to get lost in that sometimes. And I know that I have in the past. So it's just about acknowledging, like, if that's not happening right now, that doesn't mean that I'm not loved. Mm -hmm. I think that was one of the biggest lessons I had to learn is that if, even if this isn't happening, that doesn't mean that they love me less or that I'm less worthy. And that's a beautiful component of these five is that just because they're not happening all the time in every moment, even though it's been addressed, this does not mean that the love is less, mm -hmm. right? And in any opportunity, we have to be in a relationship where we have these conversations of what are yours and what are mine. It is about understanding, like they're learning something they don't understand right? Because theirs is different. So you're asking them to change in a way of like, how do I act with this person? You're, you're asking them to um, align with you on how to serve each other in the best way possible. And that is hard. That's challenging, right? Because if my partner is not physical touch, but I want to be, you know, touchy, then they have to be in alignment and in harmony with me on like kind of how that works. And if theirs is words of affirmation, I need to be the same thing. If I don't understand how to do that comfortably, it's the same thing, right? Um, and I, I would never use the word self-sacrifice because I don't believe we're sacrificing. I believe we're just 
we're becoming very um, interdependent, which is obviously uh, not obviously, but what I learned is that it's being knowing that you're okay with being dependent on them, but not totally dependent where you can no longer survive and you can't fulfill your own needs, but understanding like I depend on you for this. And, you know, I hope that you would be able to do this with our conversations and whatnot. Um, and I think that's a beautiful component. So yeah, physical touch coming full circle, physical touch for me, for sure. All right. So five love languages. There's a lot happening. There's a lot going on um, to kind of wrap it up and, and, and close out the conversation. What is your biggest takeaway from this research? What is your golden nugget? What is your biggest lesson um, that you feel you've learned with understanding and trying to utilize and embody the five love languages? I think you tied it up nicely with a quote that you kind of threw in in the middle of the episode here where you said, you know, the quality of your relationships are the quality of your life. And I think, you know, why that kind of stuck out to me was this idea that, you know, I had a really, really um, powerful thought process uh, on one of my walks uh, recently where um, being back in Winnipeg, I'm back to that quality of my relationship space right now, right? Um, and when I'm in the rat race in Toronto, I'm, I'm disconnected from that, right? So I feel like I have all these challenges, all these obstacles I'm trying to overcome on my own, solo, golo, like, you know, you're, you're dealing in that rat race and you feel very poor in that rat race and mentally, like you feel very, um, like you haven't accomplished anything, you're, try, you're building something, right? And what I realized when I came back here was just like, at the end of the day, if all of those things that, if they don't work out, I'm still pretty rich like in relationships, you know what I mean? It's like, I have a, I live a pretty rich life because of what I've already built. And I shouldn't, I shouldn't put the pressure on myself of, you know, yes, I have goals. I have things I want to get to, but the idea that where I'm trying to get to is more important than what I've already built is I got to get rid of that. Right. Like I gotta, I gotta get rid of this idea that um, I haven't already, I'm not already living a good life. Like I already am living a good life. I just want more. Like I just want to achieve more and hopefully help more people. Um, and that just a position is just very well tied together by that quote. And like, if you understand that the quality of your relationships, like, there's not very many people I can say that when I sit across them, they don't have a, a genuine feeling of me that I'm happy with, you know, that I am like, I am satisfied with what your perception of me. Cause all the ones that I'm not satisfied with, I work at those relationships. I try to better them and I continue to better those relationships, but the quality of my relationships are awesome. So like, that's why I'm like, and if that is life, then I am winning the game of life right now. I just want more things. You know what I mean? Um, and so that really resonated with me. That really stuck out to me. And then the, just the idea that, you know, these five, these five love languages, like often, if we think of it as men, like, you know, if we think of it from like, you know, the, the men's space, like not all of these are associated to finances. Maybe one of them is directly correlated to finances, like receiving gifts, maybe, but four out of the five have no real direct ties to finances. And, but I feel like we move with such a financial love language, like, and, and the, 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 the challenge I want to put out there is try to find a way to show love in a way that's not held to your finances, because one, you'll open up the door to receiving love today because you'll realize mm -hmm. that it's not associated to what's something that is in a bank account. And two, you're going to start working on the parts of your game that actually build real relationships. Mm -hmm. because financial exchanges are always, you know, who beats you in a financial exchange, someone with a bigger financial exchange, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like you can't, 
that's a rat race that you don't want to often say, I don't ever want to compete with a guy when it comes to like wallet size. I want to compete with them when it comes to all five of these languages, like, cause that's a more interesting game for me. You know what I mean? Like that shows, um, and if you start to kind of, you know, I'm not saying this is uh, the strategy that everyone should take. The strategy that I take with life is that like, you know, I want to find a partner that, you know, when her back's against the wall and she has to be like, do I want this guy or do I want that guy? It's not just the money amount that you're, you're obsessed with me about. It's I do so many things so well that it's hard for you to think that I could find this somewhere else. You know, and if you speak to some of these other love languages and you actually instill a high level of, you know, quality time when you hang out with somebody or, you know, you're so acutely aware of when physical touch is important, when it's not important and your ability to communicate, you know, how you feel about someone and, um, and what they are making you feel is up there. Then when things are on the, you know, things are on the rocks or, you know, things need to be worked on, they're going to gravitate to giving you a chance because, it's not so easily found in the pool no. of men. You're not just going to get out of this relationship and then go find, like, it's not, it doesn't, it's not, you're going to notice that again, like, yeah, this person might have more money than me, but they don't, their quality time is they don't show it the same way and they don't do this. And so there's a lot of men, I think that like are, are, are battling the game of finances. You think that, you know, being more financially stable will help you get the, the girl that you want or the love that you want or whatever. I would implore you to explore some of these other languages and understand that to be honest, whoever does these five at the best level, um, and understands their partner the best will probably have the richest relationship. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that's kind of my biggest takeaway is the fact that um, being a, being as good as you can with all of these uh, will put you in the best position to um, find that real rich uh, relationship that you're looking for. Um, mm -hmm. Beautiful. And, and one thing just before I share mine is that you said, um, I, I do so much more than just, you know, provide financially. And I think another beautiful is, a beautiful reframe is I am so much more than the financials. Mm -hmm. I am so much more. My character will speak larger than my bank account because my bank account is a subsidiary of my character. Uh, and so I think that it's a, it was a beautiful reframe that just came to me, which is a great takeaway for all of this is that all of these things, they feel like they're a lot of doing, but sometimes they're really just like, who am I? And once you find out the inner character, the inner being, the inner authenticity, that's when these things really start to come through fluidly, right? And just knowing that, like, like you said earlier, if you prime a child to say, I'm smart, then nothing really seems to be a challenge for them in the sense of like, I can't do that. It's no, I'm smart. So I probably can if I just try harder. Um, it's the same concept concept. And, you know, it's hard to get sometimes into these five love languages because of the fact that we're so deeply conditioned and we're so forcefully pushed into the man box growing up. And it really takes a lot to try to get ourselves out of it. But um, you took the words right out of my mouth is just getting good at all five, you know, not, not, not containing yourself and being like, I am only this because that doesn't really give any opportunity for growth or evolution of a relationship and a growth and evolution are components, necessary components of a relationship. If you don't have those, it will die. In my opinion, it will not succeed. It will not go where you want it to go. It will stay the same as it is when it started for five, 10, 15 years, as, as long as you're willing to put up with the exact same, it won't evolve and you'll eventually just become incredibly unhappy. And I obviously change is fearful and we're scared of it, but I think mastering, not mastering, but 
like you said, just getting really good at the ones that you understand for yourself, understanding what that means to you. What does physical touch mean to you? What does quality of time mean to you? Not just I value quality time. I think that's a caveat to this process is as we describe this, like, what does it mean to you? What does this specific love language mean to you? So that way, when your partner asks, you have a tangible answer, not just, I really want you to spend more quality time with me. Okay, well, what does that mean? Do you want to just sit on the couch and watch movies? Because I can do that. Do you want to um, have deeper conversations and ask questions? We can try that too. Like, what do you need? What do you need from this space? And how can I support you best? Um, and vice versa, right? How, what, do, what is it for me? And how can I hope that we can work towards it being given to me as well? Um, and in a man, like I said, I know it's hard to come to that space. It's hard to say we have needs because we're supposed to always give, give, give. So it is a bit of a challenge and receiving is hard, um, but that I think is a beautiful process. So to finish out the episode, as always, you know that we always leave you with a PQ leading into next week's episode. And we're going to stay on the topic of relationships, we're actually going to talk about attachment styles. And this recently came out in a book called Attached. This is one of the most mind-blowing concepts I think I've ever really come across because it really spoke to just relationship dynamics even further than the five love languages. So we're going to talk about attachment styles. I implore you to look up the attachment styles before next week's episode so that we can get a good sense of what we're going to talk about and we're going to dive in as we always do. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to join us next week as we put out content every single Wednesday. Our goal with this platform is to create a community to support men on their journey of becoming conscious kings. And in saying so, if you took any value out of this episode or previous episodes, please share, download, subscribe. And if you're feeling really up to it, go ahead and leave a review. You can follow us at Modern Masculinity. Remember, the K, it's with a K, not a C, to represent the mask that we wear. And like always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.